Uh, we're going to jump into the book of Acts. And uh, we're going to talk about this book uh, thematically. As uh, Pastor Sean mentioned last week, um, I get the privilege of talking about the main character. And I'm not sure if you know or who you think you know might be the main character in the book of Acts. I happen to think it's the Holy Spirit. Uh, a lot of times we see the, uh, all that's written about Paul and Peter and the church and Jerusalem and all sorts of stuff. But behind it all is the Holy Spirit. So we get, we get to talk about the main character today. I'm very excited for that. Um, when I think of the book of Acts, I don't know about you, I, I kind of have this wish in my mind and I think, oh, I wish I could have lived that. That would have been so fun to experience all that we see written, all those stories, the power. It's kind of, for me, um, it's similar to uh, if I read about or um, just hear stories of the, like, life in the 1850s, okay? For me, that is so cool, that frontier-type living, and I kind of think, oh, I wish I could have lived that. Um, and then I remember they didn't have air conditioning or indoor plumbing, and, uh, you know, I'm out when it comes to that, so... <laughs> Um, but there's, there's a draw. There's a draw to what we see in the book of Acts. And it's almost like two different churches. There's almost the church of today and the church of Acts. But what I would submit to you today is the, the church in Acts and the church of today are the same church. The difference being that today we are nowhere near experiencing the power and the intimacy and the obsession with God's kingdom, as we see in the book of Acts. And it's because, I believe, we are uh, unaware and sometimes uninterested of the Holy Spirit's power and working in our lives. A.W. Tozer once said, If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on, and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop, and everybody would know the difference. So, main character. Let's dig into Acts. A lot of times, uh, when we think of Holy Spirit and Acts, we think of chapter 2 and Pentecost. Uh, we're actually not going to talk about that all that much today, but we are going to start just before that. So look in Acts chapter 1. We have several scriptures to look at, and I would really encourage you to have your your Bibles or your phones out and look at it with me so you see this for yourself. We're going to look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We're going to start there. Pastor Sean read this last week. It says this. This is Jesus talking right before he ascends. But he, he said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So Jerusalem is where they're centered. The, the region that's in is Judea. The major region to the north is Samaria. And the end of the earth would be, uh, I think, to the Jews that Jesus was talking to, um, considered two ways. One, geographically, outside of Israel, but also ethnically, outside of Israel. So as we see the word Gentile through Scripture, that's a non-Jew. Now, we usually look at Acts 1-8 when we, when we think about the gospel, the gospel going out. We're going to look at it right now, real briefly, from the Holy Spirit perspective as well. So let's go to Acts chapter 2, in verse 1. 
said, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this is the account of the, the Spirit's initial outpouring from heaven onto the church, onto those believers centered in Jerusalem. And after this day, the church was never the same. They received the power from on high. Now, uh, so Acts 1, 8 said Jerusalem, Judea, that's right around it. And then it said Samaria. So let's look at Acts chapter 8. Flip over just a few chapters. As the, the gospel and the church begins to expand, Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit has fallen in Jerusalem, which is in Judea, and now in Samaria. All right, so next is end of the earth. So look at two chapters over, Acts chapter 10. I wish I had time to read this. This is one of those really cool stories in Acts that I love. This is a story of God setting up a divine encounter between the apostle Peter and a Roman centurion named Cornelius. In verse 34, Peter begins to express the gospel and share the gospel with Cornelius and his family and his attendants. And then look down in verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. As the gospel went forward and reached the end of the earth, so did the Holy Spirit's outpouring. And just to uh, confirm with you what a crazy thing this would have been to the, the Jews at that time, look at that very next verse, verse 45. It said, And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. Look over in chapter 11. After Peter uh, speaks with Cornelius, he goes back to the church and he starts talking to everybody else about it. Down in uh, verse 15, he tells them, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And listen to this. When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. So the Holy Spirit has been outpoured onto the Jews in Jerusalem, onto those in Samaria, and now into the end of the earth. So that's not the whole story. The, just the fact that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church is, to me, just a little part... That was my water. To pay no attention to the water bottle floating around up here. It's just a little part of the story of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, in the entire book. So there's a description of believers 
throughout Acts, and it even discusses it in other books of the New Testament. And I really think it's, it's vital, it's fundamental that we see this, we don't miss it, we understand it. It's because it goes beyond one moment into many moments. And that word is filled, filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we read through Acts, this description is not of just a one-time outpouring of the Spirit, but rather it's something that each and every Christian can and should experience multiple times in their life. So what we're going to do, we're just going to look at several scriptures here in the book of Acts, and we're just going to make some observations. And from that, we're going to be able to glean what scripture says about this, uh, this act, this event of being filled. So um, turn back to Acts 4. Remember, Pentecost was in 2. We're going to look in verse, or chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Peter is brought before a council, and it says this, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Now just look at the timing. We're after Pentecost. So this is another filling with the Holy Spirit. It's more than that initial indwelling that for us would come at conversion. Look down at uh, verse 31 of Acts chapter 4. After Peter is brought before this council, he then goes back to the rest of the believers. Verse 31, it says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So let's make the observation. This was all the believers. This was not just the apostles. And if Peter is included here, which he is, then it's now a second refilling of the Holy Spirit that Peter has experienced, not just on the day of Pentecost. So multiple times. All right, Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6 is where we start to see uh, the apostles, the church is growing, and they need to add some leaders. And so they're going to establish what we would today call deacons, they're going to help meet the physical needs of the church. But look at the description in Acts chapter 6, verse 3. The apostles say, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So several observations from this. I know there's just one little phrase, but there's several observations here. This phrase, full of the Spirit, was more than just a vent. It was actually a character description. For these people, there were people that were uh, that really understood this and were so close that they could be described as being full of the Holy Spirit. It also, I was going to say, goes without saying, but I'm going to say it. Uh, the others were expected that they could recognize this, and because some were full of the Holy Spirit, that also means that some maybe were not described, could not be described as full of the Holy Spirit. And there was a difference between the two. There was a difference. And, and finally, the last thing I observe here is the apostles found this character trait to be extremely valuable and important for those who were placed in influential positions of leadership within the church. So there's a lot there. All right, a few more. Acts chapter 9. This is right after the conversion of Saul. Acts chapter 9, look in verse 17. 
So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now it's not clear if this is the first filling of, of Saul or Paul or, uh, or another one, but my observation goes beyond this. If we see the Acts of Paul throughout the rest of Acts, as well as we see in his writings, this filling of the Holy Spirit that Ananias was to help impart to Paul was vital for his ministry. One of the greatest missionaries of all times. And this filling of the Holy Spirit was absolutely vital. All right, turn over one more time. Acts 13. I'm almost done. Stay with me. Acts chapter 13, verse 9. It says, But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said. So again, this reconfirms multiple times, multiple fillings of the Holy Spirit for people. And then finally, verse 52 of that same chapter, the last verse of chapter 13, says, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Multiple disciples, not just the apostles, multiple fillings. So there's our observations. Now to me, because, because Acts is written uh, by Luke as more historical and observational, the question to me then becomes, is this just an observation of the time, or is it more than that? So if we leave the history of Acts and we go to the teaching of other uh, New Testament passages, we see that it was more than that. There's a lot of passages bulky passages that talk about life in the Spirit and being controlled by the Spirit. Romans 8, 1 Corinthians 2, Galatians 5, meaty passages that talk about life in the Spirit. One that directly relates, even with the same wording as this, comes from Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, 18, and I'm just going to read it for you. It says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. That's a command from the Apostle Paul to all of the believers at the church of Ephesus. He instructs them to be filled with the Spirit. And the tense of that verb, be filled, is a continual action. This is a timeless command for all Christians, you could say, to keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we've used this phrase a lot, filled with the Holy Spirit, and maybe you're still wondering, well, what is it? Uh, so I'm going to appeal to somebody a lot smarter than me, and there are a lot of people in that category. Um, but I'm going to pull from uh, Wayne Grudem. He, he wrote the uh, theology book that we use in our theology classes here. And uh, this, he, he puts this great definition out there. So here's his uh, more technical definition. But he says, filled with the Holy Spirit, it's an event subsequent to conversion in which a believer experiences a fresh infilling with the Holy Spirit that may result in a variety of consequences, including greater love for God, greater victory over sin, greater power for ministry, and sometimes the receiving of new spiritual gifts. Now, probably when you heard consequences, you were a little concerned, but those are good consequences from the infilling, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. And if we look at that word picture in Ephesians 5 that I just read, being filled with the Holy Spirit is like being intoxicated with God. 
And that's a really cool picture. And it seems to me that most Christians, if not all, I think do experience this from time to time in their lives. Uh, a lot of times during a conference, when there's just something that hits you so deep, or maybe during a very powerful time of worship, when you're just, you're overflowing. There's something inside of you that's just welling up. And I really believe that's a filling of the Holy Spirit. And a lot of times we don't recognize that uh, for that. We wouldn't call it that. Maybe we'd just say it's an emotional response or, or it's a good teaching. It just hit me deep. And, and maybe you're thinking it doesn't really matter what I call it. Um, but, but I actually think it does matter for this reason. If we don't recognize it and acknowledge it for what it is, how are we going to mature in that area of our life? We may actually downplay something that we ought to be seeking after. And I've, I've seen people, and I've heard it many times, downplay when they're prompted by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit tells them to do something or, or say something, and, and they downplay it. And they're hesitant to say, to just acknowledge that they believe it was the Spirit. And I know a lot of times we, we talk about this, you know, we're very careful around here to not play the God card, as we say, which means we don't come in with an attitude that I heard from God, so you better listen to me. It's not that at all. But let's not become unbalanced in that either. As my wonderful wife over here has said before, we're oftentimes quicker to give Satan credit for his work than we are to give God credit for his work. And that not ought to be, ought not to be. And I do think for us to mature in the Holy Spirit, we need to truthfully recognize his work in our lives. We need to explicitly acknowledge his work in our lives. And we need to actively pursue his deeper work in our lives. So while I do think that that all Christians experience this at some point or another. Uh, there is uh, some things that we can do to pursue it more and more and to go after it. And uh, part of it is we are passive. We're recipients in this. God is the one who does the filling. But if we're commanded to be filled, then there is a part that we can play as well. And so I've got just a few practical thoughts on how we uh, can do that just based on my own faith journey, as well as uh, observing some others in a totally non-creepy way. So, here are some just very practical things. First, before we do anything, I think it's important that we believe a couple of things. There's a couple aspects of belief that are fundamental to this. First, we need to believe that it's possible. We have to believe that it's possible that the Holy Spirit fills us. Maybe this seems like crazy talk to you based on your background. I don't know. But we've got to believe it's possible. This was one of my personally biggest hurdles that I had to wrestle with when I looked at Scripture, when I began to grow in my faith and see what Scripture actually said about this. We've got to believe it's possible. And secondly, we've got to believe it's desirable. Just because you believe something is possible does not automatically mean that you want it. I know this is really basic, 
But when we don't want something, we put up walls, we defend ourselves against it, we hide from it, we talk down about it, and we act as if it's not important. So there's two parts of belief, I think, that are fundamental to this whole thing. Believe it's possible and believe it's desirable. All right, so those are the two aspects of belief. Now, about what we do, I have, I have three practical things, but I'm kind, kind of pulling a fast one on you because the third thing I've broken into three more things, okay? So for now, I got three things. So first is we surrender. And what I mean by surrender is that's a posture of the heart and the will for God to move however he wants, whenever he wants, because you know where you stand with him relationally. When we know we, where we stand relationally with our Father, with our God, we can fully submit and surrender ourselves to him. And it's a posture of the heart and the will. So that's the first thing. Second, after surrender, we seek. We just ask him for it. In Luke 11, Jesus is talking and he says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who just ask him? And it's still about relationship. It's still about pursuing a deeper relationship. But learn everything you can about the Holy Spirit. Get around some people who you would say are full of the Spirit and ask. And third, we practice. If we want to be good at anything, anything we practice. All right, so here's where I'm pulling a fast one. I've got three things for practice. We surrender, we seek, but we practice. So what I've, I've observed, we need to practice. We need to practice sensitivity. Most of us do not acknowledge, we don't take the time, we don't work on the discipline to be sensitive to God's work in and around us. There's a sensitivity that, that you can grow in your life. As you experience God, we recognize it for what it is, and we can continue to grow in that sensitivity. Second, we practice courage. I can't tell you how many people I've heard in the church, good people, who when they hear of someone being prompted by the Spirit or, or just anything like that, they say, oh, I could never do that. Oh, I don't think I could say that. Oh, that's not me. I, I don't know about that. Why, if we know where we stand with our Father, would we shy away from that? It's rather a prideful thing, but we've got to practice courage. All right, and finally, this is where I'm going to show you I'm not that smart. The last thing we practice comes from the back of every shampoo bottle that you have in your bathtub right now. They all say, wash, rinse, repeat. So the last thing is repeat. This isn't a one and done thing. This is a, a faith journey. This is something that we grow in. We shouldn't expect that as we're growing in our faith, that we were perfect, we're totally mature in every area. We've got to keep repeating and repeating. All right, so let me, let me go through those again. How we be filled. Believe it's possible. Believe it's desirable. 
Then we surrender, we seek, and we practice. We practice sensitivity, we practice courage, and this is terrible English, but we practice repeat. I don't know how that works, but we repeat. All right, here's the last thing I want to, to impress upon you. This, this filling of the Spirit is not something that we just should talk about, but it's something that we need to live out, as we'll see through the rest of the book of Acts. This is not a theological point to be understood. This is a life to be lived. And I got to tell you, we cannot afford, and the world around us cannot afford for us to miss this. We have got to live in the power of the Spirit that God intended us to live in. And God in his immense grace and generosity wants to give us himself. Not just one time, a long time ago, and it's just a distant memory, but regularly. He wants to fill us over and over again. And we settle for far too little in our Christian walk. And that draw that we see in Acts, that Acts church, is the power of the Holy Spirit that we see in all of those people. We get, cut off, uh, get caught up in the stories and how cool they are and how powerful they are, but it's the Spirit behind every one of those stories. So I, I really believe that we need to believe, desire, practice the filling of the Holy Spirit on a regular basis. And I think if we did, we would not be dry, tired, dull, down, empty, lifeless, powerless, bored, confused, shallow, dead, cowardly, Fearful, on the sidelines, weak, fruitless, restless, wandering, stale, and numb. How much of that describes your walk with the Lord right now? If at all, I really would encourage you to press into God today and seek that fresh infilling with the Holy Spirit. It brings life, it brings power, it brings peace, it brings joy. One of the, the earliest times I remember really pursuing this and stepping into it, I got with, uh, with a few guys in our church that were ahead of me in their spiritual walk with the Lord. And I had come to a place of desperation. I, I felt like I was missing something, maybe a lot of something, but I, opportunities were going by me and I would just miss and I felt like, I, like just something inside me was telling me I was missing something. And I actually moved from a place of wanting him to a place of needing him. And that's when I, I just realized I am desperate. I've got to have something. Something's got to give. And I got with these three guys, and they began to pray over me. And I just began to tremble from head to toe. And that phenomenon still to this day, I feel when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And I began to weep, and the Holy Spirit began to, to put truths into my mind, tell me truths about myself that I needed to know. 
He also began to reveal long-standing lies that I had believed about myself ever since I was a kid. And that day, it all broke. And yeah, I was a mess, but it was honestly one of the most transformational days of my entire life. And my prayer for everyone today is that you would have more of that. I know we're all at different levels. Some of us wouldn't recognize this feeling of the Holy Spirit if it hit us in the face. Some of us were kind of in in the middle, and some of us are, this is regular. You understand this. You experience this. Wherever we're at, my prayer for you today is more. Just more. And I do think there's a lot of people in that middle category that, yeah, maybe you've experienced once in a while. But I do feel, I feel burdened for the church right now. I think there are a lot of people who are feeling held back, maybe locked up in a pit, whatever word you would put on it, I'm not sure. But you're just, you're bound up. From what you were a year or two ago, you are not the same today, and it's not a good thing. And something needs to break. So what we're going to do, um, we're, we've got some, a few minutes here at the end. We're just going to have a time of response. I don't know where you are with all of this, whether you still sit in unbelief, whether you still sit in a place where this isn't something you even want, whether you have never truly surrendered to God, or maybe there's something else. Maybe you're that one that said, I could never do that. We've got to repent of that. We really, really need to seek the filling of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to just take some time. And I'm going to pray over everyone. And then we're just going to leave it silent. While I pray, we're going to have some folks come up to the front. They're going to be prayer partners. And uh, they're going to be people here that you can pray with if you want help with that to receive a filling of the Holy Spirit. And I would challenge you Don't leave this moment without pressing into God, without seeking that fresh filling. And it doesn't just happen at church. This should happen outside of church. Sometimes we just need community to break through that that barrier. So we're going to pray over you. And I would just, again, just encourage you to lean in, to press in. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask for your presence to be strong in this room. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint the people of Freshwater Church today and that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would break through anything that we need to have broken. I pray that we would surrender fully to your work, whether it's unbelief, whether it's lack of desire, whether it's complacency. Holy Spirit, have your way in this room. We give you authority and the space to do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. Just stay in this moment right now with your God.
And if you want to come up, if you want to pray with someone, this is the time. But don't leave this moment. stay in this moment as long as you need. I'm going to ask that uh, if you're going to go, that you would just go quietly. Let's leave this space available. We're going to have people up front still for a little bit. If you want to pray with, you can come up. God bless you all.